when you figure out why you're doing it, not necessarily what your passion is, but why you're actually doing it, and you really, really figure that out, like kind of like what makes you get out of bed in the morning, things tend to clear up and become much more clear from a clarity standpoint, which is a mindset issue. And then there's the confidence that goes behind it, which to me is the other piece of the mindset. It's the confidence and the clarity kind of working together. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 648. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so excited because today I have another podcaster on with me, and you have heard podcast episodes on the Positive Productivity Podcast with other podcasts. And Not that every single conversation isn't awesome, but when you get two podcasters together, I don't know, there's just like conversational magic. That's the best way I can say it. Our guest today, though, is Tim Michael, and he is the owner of The Ten Factor. But we discussed so much in the show notes. I'm going to, full disclosure, Tim, I'm going to pull some of that in here. But before we get there, I would love if you would introduce yourself, tell a little bit of your background to the listeners and how you got to where you are today. Kim, how's it going? Awesome to be here. Oh, I'm just so excited to share even just some of what we already talked about, but even to dig in deeper. But yeah, I know you're a best-selling author. You're a podcast host of The Ten Factor. You've gone through the ups and downs of business, but what did that look like? And what can you say to listeners who are going through the ups and downs right now and feel like giving up? Well, that's a perfect place to start because the ups and downs, I've been on this little bit of a kick lately of trying to be transparent to the people that are following myself and following other people on social media and whatever avenue they, you know, they take content and podcasts or, or what have. And there's this trend where people tend to live the perfect life in what I call the storefront versus the back of house. And the back of house is is generally going to be a mess. And entrepreneurship in general is one of the hardest things that you're ever going to do. So I started is I, I followed the track, a, a very traditional track. I knew what I wanted to do when I was younger. I was always interested in building things and how things went together. So I, I ended up going to Virginia Tech here on the East Coast. I'm, I'm in the Maryland is where I'm located. Went to Virginia Tech and majored in civil engineering. In four years, I got my degree from there and went out and I specialized within the construction management facet of that field. And I took a what I would say is a really good job with a really good company, a hundred year old company that had weathered the storms of, you know, the wars and the political issues and the depression and things like that. And they had sustained through all those different events. And what I didn't do at that point in time was I didn't have any aspirations to be an entrepreneur to own my own business. I was uh, dead set that that's what I was going to do. I found a good company. I was comfortable. I was making good money. And then over time, as my, my life evolved, 
a couple things changed. And one of the issues I had there was with my relationship as that started to develop and I moved into the next phase of my life was there was a travel element that wasn't conducive to the life that we were trying to put together. And then it was also, it was a money issue where I was making good money, but a lot of the money was on the back end. And I was trying to to bring what would be my future wife home to be a, a mom with the kids while I went out and provided for the family. And it just wasn't going to work there. So we started, we talked for about five years. We went back and forth strategizing on what to do and ultimately ended up starting a side business. And this was going back a ways. This was 2007. I had toyed with some other things first, but I started this side business. At that point, I had a dozen, almost a dozen years of commercial uh, high-level project management, coast to coast, across the country. We're working on big projects, you know, upwards of 50 or $60 million. Started a little small construction company in Maryland, doing some side work that wasn't competing with what I was doing there. And that company started to grow pretty fast on the weekends and nights. And I, I ran into a pinch point where I, I didn't know how I was going to make it all work. I was trying to take care of a house. I was trying to take care of a family. I was, we didn't have any kids yet, but I was working through that. And the side business was getting busier and busier and busier. So now we fast forward to 2008. I'm about 15 months into this side deal. And I get a call on a Friday afternoon from my boss of a long time. And he calls me up to the office and I was working on a hospital emergency department renovation in an active hospital at the time I was managing the job. And calls me up to the office and says, hey, we got a problem up in New York. And I know you're, you're from New York originally, but got a problem up in New York and got a bad job and you're the fixer. We need you to go up there and we need you to bail it out. And I said, wait a minute here. Number one, I get this job that's going that I'm running that's in the, we're in the crunch time right now. We're trying to get this thing turned over. You know, we're turning these pieces over. I got patients coming by me. You know, it's, it's a very, very critical part of the project. You're getting ready to yank me out of here. Number one. Number two, what's this deal up in New York? So I started asking some questions. It was a Friday afternoon and said, okay. So at this point, I'm, I had never really pushed back. I had always been one of these people that I went with the flow. I was firm, but I, I respected the people that were above me that they had to make business decisions. So I started asking some questions. And the first question was, you know, have I been committed? As in, do they have my resume already? I said, yeah. Okay. Second question was, when do I need to be there? Well, this was Friday, so we need to be up there Monday. Said, okay. Mm. And then third question was, so how often do I come home? And it was this pause. So at that point, I already knew. I said, okay, well, oh once I come there, you know, I'm not coming home. We were in the process of trying to have our first child at the same time. So there was a lot of moving parts and pieces. So I pushed back and I said, look, I'm not going. I can't go. And my boss, you know, we, we're good friends too. He, he said, well, wait, this is not a negotiation. This isn't a sign. And I said, well, I hear you, but you know, so he pressed a little further and I ultimately I came clean and I said, look, I've got this side business. In addition to, you know, trying to start a family, I've got this side business that, you know, I've got commitments here that don't affect my work. Obviously, it's been 15 months and you knew nothing about it, which was done on purpose because I had my own, my own tools, my own vehicle. I had my own computer. I had my own phone. I had done everything clean because I, I knew that if I ever got called out, I didn't want to be accused of, you know, robbing Peter to pay right. Paul. So I had done... All of the stuff that I had done that just who I am paid big dividends on the backside because I, was, I didn't want to burn a bridge. So anyway, that led to they didn't send me. They found somebody else, but it, it, it was time. So I gave my notice. So that was April of 2008. And then my business kind of blew up coming out of, out of the saddle once I transitioned to full time. And I realized that that was the most productive I ever was in my career because I had been doing so much for so long 
that when I took my full-time job off the plate, which was really a 50 to 60 hour a week job, I had so much time that my side business turned full-time just exploded in that first year. And that's really what I had to come back to years later when I ran into problems was what did I do so well that first year? And really it was about dialing everything in and focus and knowing exactly what I wanted to do and basically working off those good habits that I had developed while I was doing so much in order to keep everything straight. But then what happened was those good habits kind of started to erode over time as I got more comfortable, more complacent. Was able, you know, my wife came home and we had our first child later that year and and everything worked out like the storybook was supposed to work. But we ran into the woes of entrepreneurship over the years. And what happened was I essentially bottlenecked my own business. Yeah. We grew out of the gates and that's where we were. And I was there for a lot of years before I ran into a bigger problem, which led me to the 10 factor. Well, you caught my attention in a variety of different topics. Number one, I was always a child who liked to take things apart and put things together. So out of high school, I also went to college for interior architecture. Nice. Yes. So that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be like Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and live in a fantastic <laughs> loft in, you know, in Manhattan and work my way up in the chain, wear classy suits. I didn't care about the clothes, you know, and be a rich and famous designer. However, our life took a little bit of a detour very early. Within six months of graduating college, I got unexpectedly pregnant. At least I was out of college. But Having a newborn in Manhattan as a 23-year-old is different than having a newborn in Ohio as a 35-year-old. You know, it's, bet, yeah. it, it's just a little bit different. I mean, the cost to put him in daycare for a week in Manhattan is as much as it costs to put three kids in daycare in Ohio. So it just wasn't going to work. But I also realized I just wasn't passionate about that. I didn't like being told that if I took an hour off in the morning because I had to go to a doctor's appointment that I was going to be dapped for a half day of pay. But I'll work an hour later tonight. No, it doesn't matter. You are late. Really? Okay. And then we moved to Ohio, be closer to family and better the cost of living. But I was designing schools. And when 2008 came, the economy tanked in the school construction industry here in Ohio because people weren't paying or people didn't want to pass the the tax issues, yep. the bonds to pay for school renovations when they couldn't even pay their mortgage. So all of a sudden my services weren't necessary. And I had already started a side company in 2005. I cannot say that I was doing it all on my own time, my own dime. On my own dime, yes. But when I got bored at my job, I must admit I used their computer. Yeah. yeah. I am totally 100% truthful about that, but I lost my job. And here in Ohio, it's not the mecca of interior design. I got a divorce and I couldn't find another job and that's how I'm here, but everything for a reason and I love it. But the other thing that really fascinates me about what you said is that the, the, your positive habits were eroding and you became the bottleneck in your business. And what I found the same thing, I'm completely the bottleneck in my business, but I guess a bitter, bigger bottleneck was that I started and I'm working my way out of this now is giving more attention to clients than I did to my family. 
Did you ever find yourself in that position where I've been joking these the past couple of weeks, it's not really a funny joke, but I said, there's one client in particular who I feel like I've been having an affair with for three years, not sexual, just he's gotten more attention than all my family members combined. And that needs the end. <laughs> That's such a great question because it's actually, it leads right into what I really, my wheelhouse, what I do. So I, I grew up in a, both of my grandparents on either side were entrepreneurs. So on, on my dad's side, they were farmers in the Midwest. This, actually, my uncle still farms the land out there. So, um, And my grandparents here on the East Coast, it was my mom's parents, they, had, they owned a bar. So that hardworking kind of business comes first mentality is something that I grew up with. My dad is still, he's 20 some years into his business. He's still a tremendously hard worker. And that that's just something that it's in my blood, I guess. So when I worked the corporate job, I tended to, you know, if work needed to be done, I took care of it. But at that point, that was really pre-kids because I left that job before our first child was born. But in that facet, there was enough of me, I think, to spread around to be able to do both as, you know, as my relationship developed. But then once I started my business, going back, once it went full-time, so 2008, and I was, it, it was, it was different, I guess. I never realized how much time I allocated for the kids and for the family until people started to come to me and say, how do you do it? And the thing that you mentioned earlier is is kind of what I did about, hey, if I need to work an hour here, I'll do it here or whatever. And I wasn't able to do that with my corporate job, but I structured my business to make that happen. So I'm the dad that's at school with 15 moms hanging out at you know the, the 11 o'clock party because I just make it happen. And that's always how I've been. I've always, always coached the kids in sports. And I've, I've always managed to take care of me in the sense that I've kept myself at least in decent shape, not as good a shape as I used to be, but decent shape that I feel like I can perform at a, at a high level. I just choked on my coffee when you said that. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I, I've always done both and I've done it, but I've done it without really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was when my business went in the tank which is, this is 2015. So we, and I'm going to frame this out for your listeners because it's really important to understand how life can happen so fast. We were transitioning. So we were going from a family of three to a family of five because I had twins on the way and we had busted the seams of the old house and we moved. So here we are and we're, our house sold right away and couldn't find a house. So we're scrambling looking at rentals and it was a very, very stressful time. And we luckily found a perfect house that had, it had the, the ability to handle my contracting business, was able to, to move everything in, had the perfect home office for me to do everything that I do on the consulting side and like with this and, and was a perfect house and lot and everything to raise kids. And somebody had just got a transfer out of town and needed to sell. So everything kind of is, is like there was a bird sitting on the shoulder that, or an angel sitting on the shoulder that said, okay, we're going to make all this work. So we get into this house and we settle on uh, December the 18th, right before Christmas. So if, if you can imagine, I had a, 
Christmas tree. We do live Christmas trees. So I had a Christmas tree in a Home Depot bucket at, at the shop ready to move into the house. And I wouldn't recommend doing that because we had needles everywhere. But we did buy a Christmas tree ahead of time and all. And we got in the house and got Christmas set up. And between that December 18th and Christmas, I got a, a disturbing call from, from my attorney because we had been working on a job for a couple years that we had been not paid on and it wasn't going to turn out the way it was. So I got this uh, very sobering call where, hey, this thing's just not going to turn out. So, so we went from being you know, financially savvy, financially secure to almost bankrupt in the matter of one phone call. And that led me to go out and have a conversation with my wife and tell her you know, that I got to go back and I got to fix some things and the complacency and the bad habits and stuff I talked about before, all that came to fruition uh, really quickly. And then to add the, the salt to the wound, that the twins were born a month later. So we had everything just blew up at once. So during that period of time, I really had to put my head down. I had to do some soul searching. And that's what led me to the 10 factor. So what I did was I went back to what am I doing wrong and what do I want to do? And I realized that I was in a business at that point that, was, that had been branded and wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be long-term, like you had said with, with the architecture, where it just wasn't, that the fire wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I had, getting sa- I had become soured to, not the construction, because I still really do, I still have active coaching clients in the industry, and I still do, do expert witness work and stuff like that. And I'm actually growing that arm of the business now, work with those kind of people. But it was just actually going out and you know running, running the jobs and, and that stuff just was becoming more difficult for me to live the life that I had wanted to, to live and for me to provide you know, financially for the family as well. So all that got called out on the carpet. I went back and what happened was I, I went back to doing a lot of stuff I was doing in 2008, which was became mm. super, super efficient and pretty quickly fixed the business to the sense that it turned back into a revenue driving business really quick with a lot less effort and a lot less time which allowed me to go out there and, and do the consulting and do the stuff that I do today and, and write the book and get out there and really ultimately give back. And that's the thing that's so cool about it is, yes, you have the opportunity in this, this world, the way that the economy is now is just you can go out there and you can impact and help so many other people that are just looking for that little piece to get them over that hump. And that's really what I, I take a lot back from that. But all that being said, this, this entrepreneurship deal, which I feel like just the events that happened in my life that led me into it. It's never easy. And to, to find the balance between your time with your family and the time with your clients and make sure that everybody gets their fair shake is a struggle for everybody. And the only thing I can tell your listeners is when you go out there and you hear that these people aren't working, you got to just kind of take it for what it's worth. They're marketing. And what they're doing is they're trying to market to you what kind of like that shiny object of, of where you're going to be. And, and I always like to, to tell people that it's really important that you talk about the struggles when you're teaching more than you talk about the successes. Because if somebody is sitting there and they're listening to you, like, like and, and I'm going to frame something out, Kim, and, and you tell me if, if I'm on base or not. But if you go to an event and you hear a speaker and they, they stand up on the stage and they're like on this pedestal. They're already up higher because they're on a stage and they start talking and, and they're just talking about how awesome they are, what the awesome things that they've done. And you watch the people in the audience 
and they kind of sit back and they slouch and they might be checking their phones. They're not really plugged into who that speaker is, no matter what level they are. I try not to puke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I hear Full you. disclosure, I'm just like, really? But, but then when you hear somebody go up there and tell their story about where they mm-hmm. almost lost everything or what they went through their struggles and you see the people inching forward and they're on the edges of their seats, that's, I, I feel like the, what the, the speakers don't understand is that somebody in the seat needs to be able to follow the path to their yes. success instead of making like breaking the chain link because most people have such a scarcity mindset that they can't visualize themselves being on that stage. Oh my gosh. We're going to take a quick break really fast. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. Okay, so you're going to be the first person who hears about this on the podcast. Okay. But listeners have heard that I have had a chronic issue with saying no. I felt like I needed to say yes to everybody because I, you know, I was going to offend them. Well, I got over that. Mm-hmm. I'm over that. As of the day of this recording, I'm a good solid six months over that, which isn't long enough. Listeners, you better be listening. <laughs> but what what happened was that I got this huge opportunity presented to me worth a lot of money, and I knew there's an and and a but I knew what the the value of my time was worth. When I took the opportunity, I told the person what my rate would be and I got talked down by a good amount of money, but the money was still so much in the long run that I felt like I better take this. If you hear that alarm in your head go off of that's not what my time is worth, then say no. Say no, listeners, something else will come up because you said something that alarmed me, but it alarmed me because I've been there. You said you hadn't been paid for that project. I've been that person. But what happened when I said yes and I got into this project was that all my time started going towards building this client's business and the people that I was white labeling for versus building my own. In over three years, all of my other clients went out the door and my business was reliant on one client, which is a scary place to be. It's like, I might as well be an employee again. Well, earlier this year, there was a situation where somebody lied about me and said that I didn't do the work that I had actually done. And the client flipped around 
and changed the terms of payment and made me refund for work that I had done. I had no recourse, plus I already had a a whole ton of other projects started that I was waiting for payment on. And I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of hours invested, which would mean the world to my family. So I kept on going and I didn't get paid for four months. We're in foreclosure right now, Tim. Like I've never shared this on the podcast or on social media, but I want listeners to know that I am not scared about it and that we're going to come out of it. But we're in foreclosure because I allowed myself to feel like the victim and be in scarcity mindset. And instead of knowing my worth and holding into my worth and saying no to opportunities, which I know didn't serve me, I kept on going. But I took a big step and I told that client a few months ago that I'm not going to do the work anymore. And with that, I've been wrapping up each project I had already started. I'm not dropping anybody. I'm just not taking on new work through that client. And with each one that I drop, a new client of my own in a whole nother basket comes my way. And it's amazing because not only am I getting other work and I'm no longer out of one basket, I'm getting paid my worth. And I thought, Tim, I thought it I was like, oh, you know what? I'll be able to take on half the amount of work and get paid the same amount as I was for two clients. Well, what I didn't realize was that the true value of what I was offering when charging the right amount is fair. It's probably still low. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would have trouble selling. I'm not. And I still have just as much work, which is damn scary. I'm like, okay, do I need to raise prices again? (laughs) Because my goal here is not to be giving up all my time. My family needs my time back. So that's why I'm not scared about coming out of foreclosure. Plus, I'm in Ohio. All I need is one client to get paid, but they just didn't want a partial payment. And I'm not looking for a sob story here, but I want listeners to know that whatever you're going through with a client, you have a choice. You can keep on going in less than desirable circumstances, or you can put your foot down and get something better. But when when you were talking earlier about people who don't have jobs, sometimes I feel like that's their choice. And I know that might be unfair, but I started a little shop on eBay that turned into you know, a $40,000 a year business that I didn't like, but I still did it. There's opportunities if we look for them. There's legal opportunities if we look for them and if, if we're committed to doing the work. But it's a choice to be unemployed in my, in my opinion, and I know I could get some heat for that. Well, Kim. I'm glad you brought all that up because it went number one, obviously, you know, heart goes off what you're going through and you're right. It will get better because one of the things, it, and, and I can take this back to one of my best clients who's seen just a tremendous success. And a, a lot of people that come to me are, are years into business and they're just trying to, they're trying to clean up the loose ends and get those, those missing links to kind of take it to the next level. And the best, the ones that see the most success are the ones that are coachable, that listen, that don't have, they're not hard-headed. They say, okay, well, I'm coming to you for a reason. And you're right about what you charge. They do get tremendously more value than they pay out. It's just people don't always understand that on the front end because a lot of people aren't coachable. But one of the things that put that in perspective for me was I was, was out in California at an event. It was about three years ago, I think. And Walked up to, and I'm sure your listeners probably know Brendan Bouchard, walked up and talked to him. 
and and we were talking. I was getting ready to launch my show, and I was telling him about it, and he was he was he was you could just see like the fire and the excitement in his eyes. And he said, "Have you read my book, The Millionaire Messenger, yet?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Get it and read it. It's very important." He said, "It's it's an older book, but you should get it and you should read it." And I said, "Okay." So I did. So I went and I bought it and I read it. And there was something in that book that really got to me. And I don't talk about it very often. But what you said really made me think about it. I actually turned around to my bookshelf to look at it while you were talking. So he defines one of the things that people go through when they get into the personal development or the the self-knowledge or the self-help industry is they go through this guilt trip where they don't really, they're asking somebody who's coming to them because they're maybe struggling financially or with that time or money. And they're asking them to pay them even more money and go deeper in the hole in order to, to hopefully get themselves out of that. So you run into that, like you use the word sob story. You don't want to take somebody and get worse for them. So you go through a confidence growth period where you have to kind of, to yourself, you have to justify that what you're doing is good enough for them to, to see success. And what he talks about in the book is that if you don't make the money, i.e. you don't charge enough, then you're not going to provide for your family you're not going to be able to provide for those people. You're not going to be able to have the systems and the processes in place in order to give them what they need. So you are truly running a business and your time is really, really valuable. And if somebody wants the free advice or they want the really, really cheap advice, then they just need to go to somebody else. And there's a reason that the people that pay the money to continue their education via privately or, or through a continuing education program or whatever it is, there's a reason that those people are the ones that are successful mm-hmm. because they're investing in themselves. And if somebody doesn't want to invest in yourself, then you cannot convince them that they need to invest in themselves. And you just hope that eventually they'll figure it out. But more than likely, they'll be a statistic and they'll be, you know, they won't be in the three to 5% that sustain long term. They'll be the ones that are bouncing from job to job. And, and that's just the way it is. And that's the normal attrition. And it's very, very frustrating. But what I found with my clients is that once I get the, the opportunity to sit down with them and work through a pre qualification program on the front side of, you know, in their funnels and, and in their, their marketing, they're, ability to to land the right clients goes up exponentially. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of the same things. And a big part of that is saying no. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely. hard, but that's the probably the biggest piece to the whole thing is saying, no, I can't help you with that. But I like to be able to say, but here's who can. And I feel like that's, for me, I always like to try to point somebody in the right direction if I'm not going to be the one to help them. That doesn't mean I can't help them. It just means I'm not set up at that point in time to give them the best help that they need. Absolutely. And if my passion is not there for the work that my client is doing, like if it's on a completely different wavelength, and yes, I mean wavelength in the spiritual way. Mm-hmm. If I don't understand what they're talking about, if I don't have the passion, then my passion isn't going to be there and it's going to show in the work that I do. I want to thank you for talking about The Millionaire Messenger. That is the one book of his that I have not read and it was on my shelf. So I turned around and took it off and put it here on my desk. <laughs> but you know, you said earlier that the amount of work you said it differently, that you did before you had kids, it was different. Your role as an entrepreneur, as a business person was different. 
And I know I'm I'm saying this completely, but I've often thought about that with Brendan Burchard. You know, he is married, but he has no children. And I had to get over the comparisonitis to Brendan Burchard and stop giving myself grief for not being where he is in his business when I'm a mom of five. And there are, that's like five little mini full-time jobs on top of the business. I mean, just maintaining sanity with that many kids. It, it is. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And some there are times, and I have to give my husband a lot of credit for this one, but there are times when just being a mom of my own twins has been more stressful than my business. But a lot of the time I have to say that my business is often more stressful than my whole family altogether. Even on those crazy weeks where I'm pulling second shift as a mompreneur every single day. Or not mompreneur, a mom chauffeur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thank you for, for reminding me about that book because now it will be what I'm reading over the next few days. I want to go back to the saying no and the stepping up. And actually, I want to ask you about your most successful clients, the ones who are the most coachable. Have you seen any direct relation to the amount of struggles that they've had and their resilience and their drive and determination affecting their coachableness? Well, it probably indirectly is, is a better way to say it. What I believe and what I've seem to be proving out with, with each one of my clients and, and myself as well is you are a sum of all of the experiences added together that you've lived through your life, which makes you who you are. And when you figure out why you're doing it, not necessarily what your passion is, but why you're actually doing it, and you really, really figure that out, like kind of like what makes you get out of bed in the morning, things tend to clear up and become much more clear from a clarity standpoint which is a mindset issue. And then there's the confidence that goes behind it, which to me is the other piece of the mindset. It's the confidence and the clarity kind of working together. So what I tend to do with my clients, I do it in my 10-factor system, and I, I follow a very, very similar process in a coaching capacity when I'm working with somebody privately. But it's really about, about figuring out where you want to be, not necessarily where you are, but where you want to be, and then figuring out how to get there. And I kind of narrow it down to three pieces. It's number one, you have to, to enjoy what you're doing. So you have to find something that you like. Otherwise, I feel like it's not going to be sustainable when it becomes stressful. Number two, you have to be either good at it or you have to have the ability to get good at it which can be either you know through training or coaching or education together with some natural abilities. And the third piece is you have to be able to make money at it. And when you can take all three of those things and put them together, and that goes back to Brendan Bouchard saying, if you, if, you know, it's okay to make money because if you don't make money, you're not going to be there to provide for the people. So when you put all three of those things together, and when a client that I talk with is receptive to from an open mind standpoint, and we use the word coachable, 
And, and just for your listeners to understand what that means is coachable is not, it's not necessarily you're telling somebody exactly what to do. It's what you're doing is you're looking from the outside and you're, and it's not even really constructive criticism either. It's just a function of you're helping the client figure out what they want to do. You're just nudging them and kind of establishing boundaries and keeping them within that course and helping them create more of a, a straight and narrow path versus a pinball machine path so that they can more quickly get to the, the end line or to the finish line. Yep. And really, it's about defining why they're doing what they're doing, why they're in the right space. So they have to get the confidence that they're in the right space. And then it's defining down the road, what is that finish line? Is it, you know, I, I've had clients come to me and say, I want to work 30 hours a week. That's all I've got. I have clients that say, I want to be financially free in 10 years. Everybody has a different finish line. And then it's just a function of working backwards from there. And that's where my engineering mindset comes in, where I, I go, okay, so now we know where the start is. We know what the finish is. We have to be brutally honest with ourselves about where we're at right now, just like you were being very transparent. You have to be very brutally honest with yourself as where you're at right now. So you're truly starting at ground zero. And then you have to understand where you want to be down the road. And then it's a matter of working backwards. And we would call that reverse engineering. You're basically reverse engineering your success, but then understanding that that's on paper, but that's not reality. So reality is, you know, you may have a client that doesn't pay you, or you might have a client that fires you, or you might have a change in your family structure or somebody gets sick or, you know, you have another, another child that's unexpected that comes in, you know, that changes things. All these things that can, you know, interrupt the pattern of what you plan out. And then it's a, a matter of constantly adjusting and tweaking and resetting over your course. And that's where you're living your life. And that's why I feel like some people think, hey, I'm going to have a coach for a few few weeks or a few months, I'm going to get my business straight and then I don't need a coach anymore. And I think that's a huge mistake. And I attribute that back to you think of like the professional athletes, the ones that are really, really the elite athletes, when it's the off season, they're, they're still continuing to hone their craft. And mm -hmm. that's something that in business, it took me a while to figure it out. And I write about it in the book, but you are a professional, whether you're a janitor or whether you're a CEO of a huge company or whether you're a self-employed small business owner or whether you own a brick and mortar store or whether you're a, you know, a cashier at the, the local grocery store, you're a professional in whatever you do. And when you're a professional, you have to continue to, to show up every day. You have to be consistent and you have to continue to keep up with the changes. And, the, and that's really what the coaching in my mind really helps with is it helps you show up as your best self every day, which, which makes everything better. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I, I have chronic idea disorder. I'm writing the book on it, but I've been recently conquering it for myself, which indicates to me that it's really time to settle down and write the book on it. <laughs> but what it meant to me was that I'm taking one project at a time to 100%. And for years, that was my struggle. But the flip side, what I realized is I have one coach who asked me how many projects I was working on. And I told him three and he's like, oh, really? Based upon our last call, that's not what it sounded like to me. He's like, let's write it down. And there were 12. <laughs> we can't be working on 12 different projects at the same time by ourselves. I mean, when you were in construction, yeah, you could have had 12 different projects going on, but you had a team to support you yep. in them. And then on the flip side, 
I get huge ideas in the shower. And one day I was thinking about my GSD list. I'm being respectful to people who are listening with kids, but my getting stuff done list. Mm -hmm. And I have regular conversations with God and I heard it's not a GSD list. It's your prioritized purposeful actions. Kim, what are the things that you need to do today that only you can do that will make the biggest difference? So I instantly reframe those. Like things like cleaning out my inbox immediately get taken off my list when it's reframed from a GSD to a PPA, to a prioritized purposeful action. And then third, I've been looking at what does Next Level Kim do? I told you in our pre-chat and listeners already know my husband's a video game designer. So I'm thinking about what does it take to level up? What does Next Level Kim do on a consistent basis that I'm not doing right now? And how many experience points do I want to earn every week? So I'm gamifying reaching that next level. What does 10-factor mean to you? And what do you want it to mean to your listeners, to your clients, to the world at large? Well, well, the 10-factor is, you know, it's basically, it's a culmination of all of my years of experience, letting life happen, letting business happen missing some of the like the gut level signs that you know you had alluded to earlier in the conversation you know basically letting myself get walked down a path of of having something bad happen that I could have prevented and taking all of that and finding the purpose in it which allowed me to go back to what I already knew figure it out all over again implement it and then realize that when I got when I got out of school and I got out of my first 12-year job and I really took my entrepreneurship full-time, that I was really blessed to have so much knowledge about running a business and running and doing all those things that I took it for granted that other entrepreneurs are out there and they don't have that knowledge and they're learning by the hard knocks it gave me the opportunity to put something out there from a legacy standpoint that was going to be there for, for lots and lots of people to go through. And at whatever level they wanted to handle it, whether they wanted to do it themselves by, by following the steps in the book and the roadmap in the book, or whether they wanted to reach out to me and work with me privately, or whether they wanted to work with me in a group, it gives me the ability at, at different levels, depending on what, what other people desire and need to help other people provide for their for their families in a way that I feel like I've been able to provide for mine. So that's really what it's all about. I love that. And I want to thank you for being so transparent. I've realized, especially over the course of the last three years with this podcast, that well, I feel like I can help more people by being real and by being transparent and by sharing the the negatives, even though this is positive productivity, but the the what nots to do that was not proper grammar and why not to do it. Right. Then like you were saying before, only having a big ego and sharing how big I am. And I just wouldn't do that to me. That's ingenuine and it's out of integrity and I want to give hope to the hopeless. So thank you for everything that you do and for being real and authentic and transparent and sharing your story. Tim, where can listeners find you online, learn more, get your book, listen to your podcast, and all that awesomeness? 
Well, the easiest thing is just go right to the 10factor.com. So that's going to be T-H-E, the number one zero, F-A-C-T-O-R.com. So if you go there, you can, you can, there's a link to go right out. You can purchase the book. You can find the podcast and you can uh, find access to my programs there as well. And, and just, and just read about me and, and obviously follow me on social media as well there. That's the best, easiest way of trying to keep it to one one place where you have all the information. Love that. Listeners, if you're driving, trying not to burn dinner, don't want to fall off the elliptical, you can head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP648, where you will find all the links, even links to books that we've talked about and everything else. All the great stuff will be over there. And again, that's thekimsutton.com forward slash PP648. Tim, you've offered us so many golden nuggets already today, but do you have one more that you can leave us with? Sure. Be consistent, show up every day, and uh, do it all with integrity. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. 